0: All I can say is that I need to learn from, from uh, Andre. When I get to a crescendo in my, in my sermon, I'm gonna go, and you, know, and you all are gonna come run forward and just go yay, you know, and raise the voices and and shout hallelujah. I think that's a good that's a good thing. Maybe we can. Just kind of work this out. You know, I got to tease some of these guys now. This is my last chance. Also, you know, you all noticed what, uh, what David said um, about Bobby, right? And behind every good minister, there is a really good woman, right? I wonder how Craig Matson feels about that. <laughs> You're saying. <laughs> yeah, you know, I couldn't leave that. I just could not help that. It is so, so good uh, to be here, but it's also so, so sad. It's, it's one of the, the people that came through, and I won't call any names, uh, said yesterday when we had stood in line and, and greeted uh, so many of you, and, and I'm so grateful we both are uh, for your very kind words, both as spoken and as written in, in so many cards. So thank you for that. But one said... <clears throat> You know, think about these things when you're standing in line like this. It's sad and you don't get to eat. <laughs> it's just truth spoken right there. Lisa Lotta, I'm trying to find you uh, wherever she is. There she is. I, uh, I've been reminded a couple of times when we started a year ago that I didn't introduce her. And I should have. She has been faithful to be with us, of course, for every Sunday this whole year. <clears throat> you can stand. But really, the aim here is to uh, preach God's word and to, uh, to share that, and this would be Uh, the last opportunity, at least uh, at this particular time, um, to do so. And uh, the last several weeks, we have been on the mountain. Uh, We were on the mountain of hope. We were on the mountain of faith or opportunities and possibilities, as we said that. And and last Sunday, we were on the mountain of, of call, great calling. And I'd like to take us back up there this morning uh, if I could, in a kind of a broader, somewhat of a, a simple uh, statement, but something that I think would be a very, very significant in so many ways for the life of the church and for the future as we pray together uh, about that. As we have seen, uh, the mountain in Scripture is really used as this, this physical placing of major uh, spiritual events and experiences. And in the text for today, Jesus is taking three of his closest disciples with him to that mountainside to give them an experience and an explanation, if you will, that forever will stand burned into or chiseled into uh, their mind and their consciousness. If you have your Bibles, uh, we can read together from uh, chapter 17 of the book of Matthews, 8 short verses that summarizes what must have been one of the most magnificent experiences in the life of these three. It begins like this. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white, As the light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses, Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And then when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. And let me just kind of add the next first uh, half of the next verse. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them. On the mountain. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to envision, and I've mentioned that to you several times. If you can, when you read scripture, try to envision the setting it will help you kind of get under some of the surface stuff and help you avoid just kind of reading text in a numb kind of way. We, we're just in the Bible, we just read these words and some of them we've heard before. And, and those who have been Christians for a long time, m- most of that you've heard before. But if you get to this point where you can sense, maybe even feel a, a sense of touch with what's going on, you will have to imagine that this would have been an all most unimaginable, powerful event in the life of Peter, James, and John. Eight short verses right here expressing something that hardly is everyday stuff for most people. And yet, when you think about it, and as I hope we can do this morning, some of the elements in this encounter on this mountain are somewhat common to all peak, mountaintop experiences. You know, some people think that, that when we talk about spiritual experiences in an extraordinary kind of way, it is mostly about being taken out of this world. It is something supernatural and therefore not natural, therefore not part of this world. And, and so, it's beyond what we see, and there's something to be say, said about that. But I want you to notice right here in this text, this is tied to historical reality. This is not about escaping. This about is about power for the presence. There's a concrete reference to a very specific time and place, and the experience itself make Peter suggest something very normal that he could do something very concrete so let me begin simply by saying this true genuine christian mountaintop peak spiritual experiences whatever you want to call them are characterized by the fact that they are not separated from your life and from your historical reality Vision and reality belongs together, so to speak. God reveals himself to you in your everyday life. And he gives you these experiences, not to escape, but to empower you to live where you live with his vision and his command. You know, it is, and I may say something here that you're aware of, but I'm going to say it in a way that I hope you can remember. It is the sovereign quality of the Christian faith that God meets people in their daily lives. It is the sovereign quality of the Christian faith that God meets people in their daily lives. God, Jesus, came to earth and participated in Average, normal people's everyday lives. The Christian faith is not about finding some corner where you can escape and and get into some kind of mental state that takes you out of reality. Mount Top Experiences, to the contrary, is an encounter with the God of heaven and earth. It's an encounter with His revelation with his glory, that will so impact you that it will change the way you live the everyday life. I think if we get this, we will also get that these things are necessary. They're necessary. We need to come face to face with the power of God and with the reality of his revelation in a way we have not done before. And so as we look at this very text here, it it is important that we realize that this talk about mountaintop experiences are not add-ons. They are central stuff. They are essentially necessary for a strong, empowered Christian life. You know, we've gone through a time uh, as churches around where where we have just kind of gotten to this point that we don't really... uh, need special event? We just need to kind of do our stuff wherever we are. It's almost become suspect. When we hear people who have had a special encounter with God or maybe even a, a whole church, we wonder, wow well, we wonder if this is just suggestions, that kind of stuff, that we have gotten into something that is not really real. But well, friends, can I say it this way? We need to get up there because it's only on the mountain where you have vision to really see the flat plains in front of you. The monotonous, ongoing, flat plains of life. It is only up there that we kind of feel that breeze of fresh new air that brings new life to our otherwise tired souls. We need to get to that mountain of transfiguration, really, with Jesus. And look here. God's purpose in bringing his disciples up on that mountain of transfiguration with Jesus is quite clear. In the Old Testament... We have a story that runs almost exactly parallel to that. What that is is that God took Moses up on Mount Sinai and he revealed himself in a cloud of glory, so to speak, to give him rules and regulations to live by. And for 1,500 years, since between Moses and Jesus, that became kind of the pattern of life, the rules by which life was the shaping force of culture and tradition for the Jewish people. And in many areas and in, in many ways, take away the sacrifice and some of these things, that is still the case for the Jewish people. But it was in the midst of all this, friends, that God said, I want to meet you anew. I want to give you a new mountaintop experience. Not to give you new rules. Not to give you new law. Not to give you new regulations. But simply so that you may see Jesus. That you may see Jesus. Because he's the one that you need to recognize. It's not about rules and regulations. It's not about tradition even. It is Jesus. And as you see him on that Mount of Transfiguration, which in many ways is the new Sinai, you will see the power of God shining through him. It is no longer just a matter of of written rules, but about a a living relationship that living people can have with a living Savior. Did you hear that? It's about a living relationship that living people can have with a living Savior. This is my son whom I love, God said. In him... I am well pleased. The exact same words that were spoken at Jesus' baptism. When heaven split open and the dove came down and God spoke. And then three more words. Listen to him. That's why you need to get up there, friends. To see that it is through Jesus you come to know God. When God's power shines through Jesus and you have no doubt that he is God. Listen to him. To get on that mountain of transfiguration is a prerequisite that gives new power, new vision, New direction for life right here. To get beyond where you are just seeing what you, have always, what you have always seen. Known what you have always known. Breathe the kind of air you have always breathed. And to stand there. And see God's power. And feel that breeze that come through. And sh- cleansing up your soul and your heart with new invigorating power. I need to ask you straightforward, and you need to answer that not out loud, but in your heart and in your mind, and maybe even quietly on your lips. When I ask you, have you stood on that mountain and heard God say about his son, this is my son. Listen to him. That mound of transfiguration is that new Sinai. It is God's explanation, God's revelation of the new life. This now is how you find access to God. It's through Jesus Christ. And when you have seen it, when you have heard what God says about him, it will and it should and it must change your life. You know, this text is so rich, and we may not always see all of this, but, but these experiences are important, even necessary for living people to have a living relationship with the living God. I hope that everyone here deep in their hearts says, I got to get myself to that mountain. I got to hear Jesus call me up there, and then I am got to listen when I'm up there. You need it, your family needs it, your home needs it, your surrounding needs it. But then notice, and this is what is the real power, I think, with this that we can so easily miss. The teaching from this great, great story about life's peak moments continues to reveal to us how Peter flat misunderstands what's going on. He's so excited. He can't stand himself. Hey, you know, all these other folks are down there. I'm up here. I'm with God. And not only is Jesus here that God has revealed to be his son, but Moses is here and Elijah is here. This is like the most incredible thing. Forget those down there. I'm going to stay up here. Let me build Some homes, Jesus. We'll just stay up here. This is good for me. You know that, yes? But the lesson here, from this mountain of great experiences, is that those kinds of experiences with God, necessary as they are, Are there so that we can find empowerment and encouragement for life down here in the everyday flat valleys? Peter's misunderstanding is more than a well known thing, I think, among people even today. they are Christians and we know that. they are people that have had their own private personal experience and they want to hide in that. That's where they want to live because it felt so good to be escaping from all these things. But this is not what this is about. Drugs, alcohols, all these kinds of things will make you escape. A genuine meeting with God Almighty will empower you and give you perspective and bring fresh air in your lungs. Friends, I hope you're hearing this. When you discover... That you can't hold on to these great moments all the time. Sometimes we get paralyzed and we get stuck. It's like a spiritual break. We either look back to what was so wonderful one time or we're looking forward to something that we we hope will come. But right now we forget what God is about and why he has equipped us and called us right here to be his mountaintop people who have come with him Back down. The life that should have flowed from this gets stuck in the desire just to be there alone with the Lord. That's what had happened to Peter and the other two. That great moment of life right there. Overwhelmed. But then look what happens. I I, I love this. You got to see this and underscore it in your Bible if you haven't already. When they were just kind of paralyzed by that moment, Jesus, it says, look at verse 7, touches them and says, get up. Get up. Get up. And when they looked up, Again, what did they see? They were back to reality. The Bible says they saw no one but Jesus. They had seen these great visions, but it was no longer just about what they were seeing and them being in that moment. Now, they were back. And I love it when they say they walk back down the mountain with Jesus. I hope you're getting this. What a powerful, incredible teaching from God's word here. It highlights at one and the same time the importance, even the necessity of these great, powerful moments with God their purpose, and for that matter, their result. They are important, but they're given for this life. They're given for this life to empower us to be his witnesses, to yank us, if you will, outside our own kind of visions and our own kind of desires for what life is about. I think if I'm going to summarize what worship is, it can be said in so many ways. And there's so many ways of explaining that. But is there a more powerful way than to say that worship is that you, when you bring that God or these gods that you have created to the very altar to be sacrificed before the God that has created you? When you take all these gods that you have created and bring them as a sacrifice on the altar of the one who has created you. That's where that meets, friends. That's where this meets. We need to set foot on that mountain of transfiguration and be so empowered that we come down And see life brand new. You know, the purpose of these major moments uh, on these mountains are found in what follows, what comes after, really. And that has always been the case. God never meets people on the mountain to keep them up there. Whether he's sending Abraham to the Mount of Moriah to kind of test his faith, or Elijah to the Mount of Carmel to kind of reveal the powerlessness and the falsehood of these Baal's prophets. Or here he sends the disciples to the Mount of Transfiguration to tell them that the old covenant with all this culture and tradition and all this is out and been replaced with the new covenant which consists of a living relationship with the living Savior. The purpose is always the same, friends. To equip you for what follows. God sends his people to the mountain so that they can be more usable for his kingdom when they come back down oh my I think this is what this text is about God's desire is so clear here they went back down the mountain with Jesus you're sitting here today and we need to hear what God says to us. We need to. And my prayer is, and it, my prayer will remain for you all, that God will reveal Himself to you individually and corporately in the most powerful way. That you all come to hear God say, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. You know, some of us just need to come to that mountain, put foot on it, and go up. We need to kind of get that vision that is not ours, but God. We need to feel the breeze. Others, others are here because they need to sense Jesus' touch and hear him say, Get up, get up. You've been here long enough. I will walk with you down. I called you to that mountain in order to equip you to let you see my glory, grant you my vision, and walk with you down. Whatever your need is for this, friends, May that be that your heart will not rest until you've heard it. Listen to him. I'm going to pray a prayer, but I want to wait and do that a little bit. Pray for all of us. But if God has spoken to you, why don't you spend this time praying? We're going to stand and sing a song of invitation. That's really an invitation for you to respond to God's word. Nowhere, not one place in this book do we have a sermon being spoken without anyone responding. You may want to grab someone's hand. You may want to come alone. You may want to stay right where you are. But please don't just say, okay, We're just waiting for the song to be over. Use this time to connect and ask him for that visit on that mountain. Or if you're laying there up there, you need to hear him say, get up and go down, I'll go with you. Whatever you need to pray, let this be the moment.